All right. Well, welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am your host. And today I am joined by our special guest, Bob Eckblatt. Uh, Bob and his wife, Gracie, are founders and co-directors of Tierra Nueva in Burlington, Washington, uh, where they serve immigrants, inmates, uh, the homeless, those struggling with addiction. Uh, they're also doing some amazing work around the world, just equipping the saints. And we're really excited to have you, Bob. So thanks so much for joining us. All right. It's a pleasure. Um, we've just been chatting a little bit about how I'm Canadian. I'm, I'm from near your neck of the woods. I'm from Vancouver. So, uh, I miss the, right. I miss the clouds and the rain. Um, but, um, I wondered if you could just spend maybe just a couple of minutes telling us a little bit about the ministry you guys are doing uh, there in Washington State, but then also just some of the work you guys are doing around the world as well. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been here uh, one hour north of Seattle in the Skagit Valley since 1994. Um, we, um, I've been chaplain of the local jail, Skagit County Jail, and. Uh, that chaplaincy has grown to include a whole team of people that go in every week on Thursdays and Sundays to do Bible studies and to pray with inmates. And so we have women, women chaplains, men chaplains, and we've done that, uh, you know, for 26 years almost now. And then we have uh, our, at our office offices, we have a family support center where we help uh, people. We're open a couple of days a week and, immigrant workers who are like farm workers from Mexico, uh, homeless people, people from our faith community will come in and we, we do things like, uh, you know, uh, just listen to people's struggles, um, pray with people, go to court with people, help them quash warrants. If they have warrants for their arrest, uh, go to, uh, go to court. A lot of times people are afraid to go to court by themselves. Hmm. If they, if they're, illegally in the United States, or even if they're legal, even if they're citizens. And so just every manner of sort of issue comes up really that, um, so we have the family support center. We have, we have a staff of eight and we, um, so we do jail ministry, family support. We have a faith community that, that um, meets on Sunday afternoons. And it's really four people who are coming out of addiction, you know, who are affected by incarceration and immigration. So it's quite a hodgepodge of, uh, of people, mostly unchurched. Uh, a lot of times they, uh, this is their first experience of anything, hmm. uh, any kind of organized worship. And uh, so they come in um, sometimes reeking of, uh, of weed uh, or just under the influence of methamphetamines or heroin and um, but it's so sort of a recovery church in a way, although not in a sort of a legalistic way, in a, in a loose way where uh, where it's common every Sunday to have people telling about their clean dates, you know, like I'm four months clean and yeah. we all clap. And <laughs> so we have a, a very dialogical style, of, you know, conversational style. We have communion every Sunday and, uh, and we're seeing a lot of growth, you know, people coming in from the highways and the byways really. Um, every night of the week, we have Psalms, uh, a time uh, at nine o'clock from nine to nine thirty, where Julio, who's one of our pastors who came up through the ministry, he hosts, uh, whoever comes and they start with, uh, Jesus calling, uh, the, you know, the, the, the reflection for that day. And then they, whoever wants to read a Psalm reads a Psalm and Julio goes around and 
anoint everyone with oil and praise over them. And wow. then we end with Psalm 91. And, uh, and then every morning from uh, 8.30 to 9, there's Gospels where, where there's get people gather who, who, whoever shows up. And it's uh, reading one of the Gospel uh, chapters. We have a chaplaincy to the migrant camps kind of ministry of sorts where we go around from May to October. There's a lot of migrant farm workers here uh, picking strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, working the fields, potato harvest, different things. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And then we um, also do, we have a thing called the People's Seminary, a part of our ministry where we train workers who are called to the underserved, underreached, unreached. And so we, we've done, we've developed a training called a certificate in transformational ministry at the margins. And um, that involves uh, three, four day trainings um, that we do over nine to 12 months. And um, it's core teaching uh, sort of theology of holistic transformational mission, hmm. which would include uh, we try to, we talk about bringing together word, spirit, and street. So word would be just careful reading of scriptures, Old and New Testament, but reading with Jesus as our rabbi. So we're reading the Old Testament clearly uh, uh, with Jesus, the, the resurrected uh, Christ uh, alongside us, like the road to Emmaus. We're teaching people how to read those Old Testament texts mm. with Jesus as their fulfillment and as their rabbi, as our rabbi. Yeah. And then we have uh, spirit, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, praying uh, for healing, expecting revelation, prophetic, uh, you know, the gifts of prophecy, discernment of spirits, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all the different gifts. We, we're trying to learn about those, practice those. Uh, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to show up and to confirm the words, the, the teachings, the preachings, the Bible studies, whatever, with signs and and so, uh, so word, spirit, and then street would be justice. Um, we're addressing uh, issues of uh, injustices in our society that affect our populations and the poor and, and immigrant communities that we serve. So um, issues like mass incarceration, um, issues like uh, just uh, how do we treat immigrants who are among us, um, looking at... Um, issues of violence versus nonviolence. You know, we were committed to the way of Jesus, um, his way of practicing peacemaking and enemy love. And so uh, word spirit street street includes justice, advocacy, peacemaking. So in our, in our trainings, we're deliberately bringing all those, all those together and, and, and more, you know, we, we believe that a whole body of Christ is needed in, um, to be able to respond to the the brokenness, the extreme level of brokenness and darkness of our of our globe, our world. So we we take this training on the on the road. We've done um, twenty of these uh, certificates in transformational ministry at the margins. Uh, two in Glasgow, one in Bristol, two in London, a couple here, Vancouver, Wellington, South Africa, or Wellington, New Zealand, um, Tanzania, Kenya. Ethiopia, yeah. Morocco, Paris, you know, so South Korea. You've seen some of the world. We're, we're training, tra <laughs> we're training trainers, yeah, yeah. To, to go out and to offer that training. So. That's awesome, man. You, I have so many questions for you just based on what all the what you just said. Uh, I'm going to try and go in order. Um, 
just backing up a little bit when you you talk about you know you've got some people who come into your into your sphere right there in Skagit that are just coming off of drugs or uh, trying to trying to get free of that addiction and things like that. I'm I'm really interested. One of the questions we like to ask on this podcast is just about people's gospel presentation. Um, when you're encountering somebody who may be encountering Christ for the first time, what are uh, to put it crassly, what's your pitch? Like, how are you introducing them to Jesus? What's that sound like? Well, we, we really believe Jesus is a friend of sinners. Mm. You know, he was, he was criticized as being a friend of sinners and, uh, we liked that about him. <laughs> and, uh, so we, um, we tried to model that by just, uh, befriending people mm-hmm. who, who come into our severe, you know, through coming in the door or through us going out on the streets. We, we walk the streets, we, we go to the migrant camps, we go into the jails and prisons. Um, so I, I guess, say we would emphasize how God takes the initiative and comes to us. He's like a shepherd who seeks after lost sheep and, um, and all they had to do is be lost and so but but god has um, a warrant for their arrest you could say um but not because he wants to beat them up or find them or confine them but because he wants to carry them on to in his shoulders bring them to a family setting where he can celebrate their return and mm-hmm. and so we we want our faith community to be a place that celebrates um the the you know, the place we can bring people to a place that they can return to where they're, they're, they're celebrated, uh, where Jesus, um, friend of sinners, uh, savior of the world, um, one who forgives us for all of our sins, um, who's died on the cross to, to save us from our, from the ruler of this world, you know, where he can be, uh, learn, we can learn about him and worship him and remember him. And, uh, so yeah, we, uh, a, maybe a typical presentation would be say we would use the Bible study of the Jesus going to the Sea of Galilee. And uh, we would say, okay, well, what did Jesus see when he went to the Sea of Galilee? Well, he saw fishermen. Okay. So what were they doing? Were they praying? Were they reading their Bible? Were they, um, you know, had they been fasting? And uh, had they done a 40-day fast, water fast? You know, like, what do we know about them? What were they looking for? So people will say, well, um, fish. Okay, so they weren't looking for God. They were looking for fish. So what were they going to do with the fish? And, you know, maybe you guys aren't fishermen. We don't, do you know any fishermen? I mean, well, they were going to eat the fish. Okay, so they're looking for food. Okay, and what else would they do if they were fishermen? Well, they'd sell the fish. So, okay, so they're looking for money. Okay, so what does Jesus say to them? Does he say they have to stop? smoking and drinking and doing drugs and and that if they had to they had to have a clean ua you know urine analysis and prove that they've been through treatment and and pay all their fines and quash all their warrants and before they he could they could follow him they say no jesus just says follow me okay and does jesus tell them what they have to leave no Mm, interesting Um, they do leave their fish at their nets and their and their boat and their father Okay, but Jesus didn't tell them they had to leave those things. They just determined that for themselves. Okay, so where did they go after that? Um, okay, well, they, they went and 
from village to village and Jesus healed all the people that were brought to him demoniacs epileptics you know the lame the blind and and there were just people from all the different villages that came and wow that would be interesting what, what do you think that would be like to see Jesus healing people with heroin addiction and you know like maybe they people have lost a lot of brain cells through methamphetamines and you know maybe they have active Pepsi or like, do you know people that could benefit from healing? And what would that be like if you got to witness all kinds of people getting healed? Um, would would that be would that be fun to hang out with Jesus? And they're like, yeah, that would be really good. That'd be really cool. I'd love to do that. Well, how many of you would like to just be, if Jesus, we believe Jesus is alive right now. And um, maybe there's some people that need prayer right now. We, we'd love to be able to pray for you guys. And, um, anyone here with like a back problem or, and then we might, we might talk about what got, what we think God might want to heal right then and there. And then we might pray for people and then say, Hey, what do you think if, 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 if Jesus is alive, like, and maybe you're not sure about it, but how would you like to just give him a try and just, uh, you know, you don't have to even be sure, but what about if we just, uh, you know, you can just pray, Hey God, Jesus, if you're real and you're alive, like, like I'm, I'm drawn to you. Hmm. And uh, so we would invite people to express that and to pray. And, and that's kind of how we, you know, we gently, you know, sort of bring people towards Jesus. That would be an example. Yeah, that's awesome. Just a very relational Bible study of let's put yourself in the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Try to try to find this, make the story relevant to our times. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it takes a little bit of creativity and, yeah, so we, we kind of specialize, I guess, in reading the Bible with with people that have no background in Scripture. Yeah. When you when it comes to the cross, I mean, as one who's grown up in the church and, and grown up with the concept of, of what happened on the cross, sometimes I feel like we take that for granted. Do you, do you find that as a difficult concept to, to begin to disciple people through in terms of the work of the cross? Um, I mean... In some ways, it's the it's a point of uh, connection for a lot of the people that we serve because they've they've been they're experiencing punishment right at this right right when we're, we're dealing with them mm -hmm. they're being confined there and so the idea that God becomes a human and and goes through the justice system and and injustice is done to him that's mind blowing for people and it it's a point of connection between them and and, and Jesus. Um, you know, um, we, we, we talk about the cross in all kinds of ways, just like, you know, New Testament talks about the cross in, in a lot of different ways. Um, so it, it just depends on what emphasis is needed. Um, you know, when we talk about Jesus taking the penalty for us, the punishment for us, that doesn't completely work for people because they're going to go to prison regardless of what Jesus has done. So Jesus hasn't kept them from suffering the consequences of their, of their crimes. Mm -hmm. So it's more like Jesus dying amongst the criminals on the cross and offering them his presence in their time of stress and trial and difficulty. Um, and, uh, and him conquering death through, uh, through, through 
dying and, and being raised from the dead and and being um, and offering us uh, you know freedom from fear of death and freedom from f- fear of the powers that oppress that crucify that that punish that threatened um, you know Jesus's um, victory through his suffering is uh, is powerful for people too yeah do you when you're working in Africa you mentioned that you've you've taught a lot of your your courses there um, do you do you have to come up against uh, a prosperity gospel that is currently being preached there or has been preached there in the past and has some residual stuff that um, where people actually become eventually almost disenfranchised with this gospel like hey you said if I said yes to Jesus I'd get all this stuff but I'm still not successful by the world standards oh yeah i mean prosperity gospel we have to deal with it everywhere it's uh it's it's the dominant theology in north america yeah um kind of the assumption that god you know god um blesses god is sovereign and and so if you're doing really well it's because god's blessed you and if you're doing really poorly, it's probably because there's sin. Yeah. Um, right. So um, the gospels say that if they persecuted me, how much more will they persecute those who follow me? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus um, describes the the way of uh, the cross as something that we can all expect. You know, he says when they take you before the courts. Um, as if it's a, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, so the idea of uh, the seven mountains, which some of the some of the some of you may be familiar with that teaching of the seven mountains that Christians are called to exercise influence in over these realms and and to kind of be climbing up into realms of influence like politics and economics and the arts and all these things. And of course, there's a ra- uh, there's a place for Christians to be. Um, in places of influence, but but what we see is uh, when the Son of Man was lifted up, it wasn't to a st- place of governmental authority. It was uh, he was a crown of thorns was put on his head and a and a you know a robe uh, that you know that was a robe that I mean the Romans mocked him and yeah. they and they and they wrote over his head on the cross, King of the Jews. His being lifted up was on the cross, not, um, you know, not to a place of, of supreme leadership, like a presidency or, you know, um, and so, um, and eventually, yes, of course, he will come back to reign. Um, but we live in the time period um, that is marked by um, suffering and, and, and by persecution and by um, what we can expect, I think, is is more like Philippians 2, you know, uh, humbling ourselves and becoming obedient, um, taking on the form of a servant and mm-hmm. and humbling ourselves to the point of death, even death, however that might look. And where the church is growing the most rapidly is in places of persecution. Yeah. Because they they grasp this concept of that, that canonic love of self-emptying because they're having to live in it. They're being called to live in it in a very real way every single day. Um, Jesus says, when you go out, don't bring money. Yeah. So the prosperity gospel says, if you don't have money, that's a sign that God's not with you. It's backwards. But 
Jesus says, you don't bring money because then, then you really need God to be with you. And he will be with you. Yeah. I will. I'll never leave you or forsake you, right? Yeah. And so he says, don't take extra clothes. Don't take a staff. Don't even take sandals. Yeah. Uh, go out in vulnerability. Go out and receive hospitality. We're supposed to go out in weakness. And, you know, um, the message that we bring is not with, with words of wisdom and, you know, of this world, but we come in weakness and trembling. Yeah. Paul says so that um, our gospel is not based on human authority and power, but on, you know, um, the power of God, which manifests through our weakness and vulnerability when we're weak and vulnerable. So that's very different than the prosperity gospel that, that is very attractive because people want to be more secure and they want to be more covered. Um, and it's, uh, so it's a seductive, it's a seductive false theology yeah. that is everywhere. Well, and ironically, I think sometimes it's a bit of a, a vicious cycle too, because those who preach it, sometimes they're measuring their own success based on, you know, the number of converts. Now, certainly there are even more nefarious characters who would use it for their own economic gain, but uh, in a perhaps slightly more innocent way, they're they're measuring how many hands go up on a Sunday morning or or in a field during a crusade or what have you and measuring their success on that versus mm, success yeah. in terms of ongoing discipleship and walking, walking with Christ through the difficulties. Well, some people really are called to proclaim in, in an evangelistic way, and maybe they have a special gifting to draw people into the kingdom that way. But then there's others that need to f maybe are called more to walking alongside people and discipling them yeah. too. You know, or ideally, we all should be working together. Yeah, and all making disciples in one way or another. Um, I, it's interesting. We've been talking about the incarnation on the podcast in the last few weeks, in just the implications of that canonic love, self-emptying, uh, and and the hypostatic union, fully God and fully man, and how the understanding that Christ came as fully man um, when you really begin to dig into that, it actually transforms your prayer life. Um, you know, we're talking about Hebrews 4, uh, 15. You know, we have a high priest who can relate to us because he's faced every temptation, every difficulty we have, um, and yet he didn't sin. Have, as you've discovered more of that throughout your life and really just begun to gain revelation of that, has it changed the way you pray? You mean knowing that I have Jesus as an intercessor and a high priest? Yeah, and and a, a high priest who oh, yeah. who was I mean, fully man and, and walked this earth and, and faced these same difficulties that that we do. Yes, I mean I I know I I can just talk to to God or talk directly to the Father to Jesus, knowing that He is anything and more and that's um that's comforting hmm. comforting yeah yeah and you know jesus himself experienced betrayal and he experienced um you know uh, abandonment and um and he experienced uh, moments when it didn't look like there was any fruit and um 
you know, I think uh, that's helpful because a lot of times that's what we experience too. Yeah. But that's not the end of the story. And, um, Amen. Um, one of the things you talked about in your seminars that, are, uh, that you're teaching around the world, and you said you do them typically, uh, you kind of come come back at it about three or four times throughout a year to, uh, to, to teach these courses. Is that right? Yeah, we go um, for four days, mm-hmm. uh, three different times. Three different times. And then we have... Um, distance learning training materials in between yeah i'm i'm interested you talked I, I was really intrigued by what you said in terms of teaching people to uh walk with christ as their rabbi as they read the old testament um i'm interested to know more about that and i think specifically i'm curious to know what what you find is one of the more common uh, stumbling blocks or what have you, when it comes to the approach to the Old Testament, where do you find that uh, there's a significant shift in thinking when people begin to read the Old Testament with with the risen Christ as their rabbi? I think one of the areas has to do with just violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like uh, it looks like God in the Old Testament is sanctioning violence. And, uh, and so uh, that is those texts are appealed to by people that believe in violence and war who are Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in my view, that is completely uh, uh, inappropriate and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a wrong, it's even a heretical way of reading the old Testament mm-hmm. because Jesus, he completely um, undoes that whole system of, um, of what um, we might think of as the myth of redemptive violence. You know, that there, I would say it's a myth that, um, I mean, it's the belief that violence is necessary and even good. Yeah. So uh, the United States invaded um, in World War II, uh, attacked Nazi Germany, and and that was good. It's, that's kind of the assumption that whenever we attack, um, you know, we there was clear claims that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And yeah. so that was used as a justification for invasion of Iraq. Um, well, um, you know, um, we can, we, I mean, that's where the, the propaganda machine comes in today and Christians are very vulnerable if they don't understand that Jesus, um, he consistently uh, interprets um, the violence um, as um, as something that he um, he would exercise violence, but it's 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 violence against spiritual powers. Okay, mm-hmm. like once Jesus confronts the the, the devil in the de- in the desert in the wilderness after his baptism, and you know from then on you 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 see Jesus uh, beginning uh, differentiating between human beings who he loves. Uh, he may confront them, but he he loves them um, and evil spirits that he casts out. Okay. So you have, uh, and the term cast out, ekbalo, that uh, the Old Testament foundations for that term would be the book of Joshua. You know, uh, 
if you read the Greek version of the book of Joshua, the, the term for dispossess, um, you know, the, the Joshua who dispossesses the, the Canaanites and take, sends out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the, you know, that, that word is, is the Greek, the Greek in the Greek Old Testament. It's the same word, ekbalo. So Jesus never casts out, well, he does cast out money changers from the temple, but uh, mostly he's casting out um, invisible predatory powers. And, um, and so there's violence against the invisible realm. Hmm. But when it comes to human beings, he says, uh, you, you know, you know, what has been, it has been set written uh, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a consistent see in Jesus's teaching and in Paul's teaching uh, uh, regarding enemy love. And so if you're a Christian, you can't, you can't appeal to the Old Testament without countering directly Jesus's teaching. Mm -hmm. So how do you square that circle? I mean, um, the writer of Hebrews says Christ is the very imprint of the Father. Jesus says famously, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, if, if Christ, the Christ that we see in the Gospels is the full revelation of God, of Yahweh, how do we, and, and Yahweh never changes, he is unchanging, how do we reconcile the fact that we see uh, during the conquest, you know, the Israelites are being told, hey, go and kill every single one of them, don't let any, any live. Is that, um, how, do you, how do you read that uh, in light of Christ on this side of the cross? I mean, Jesus, God hadn't come in the flesh to, to deal with evil, um, you know, until Jesus showed up and, um, and confronted it as the, as the son of man, as the son of God. Um, and so now the, now that has been confronted and defeated through his emptying of himself in, in, in his, uh, defeat of death and uh, his taking upon himself the sins of the world and um the transfiguration story really answers this question in a lot of ways mm. um you know uh peter james and john they go up with jesus on the mountain and jesus is transfigured and they see moses and elijah with him and um moses would be the representative of the of the torah or the pentateuch the first five books of the of the hebrew bible Elijah is the sort of the, he's the prophets. So Moses and Elijah would have represented the Bible, um, the sacred scriptures of that time, because uh, the third part of the Hebrew Bible, the writings weren't yet canonized. And so basically um, the main characters there uh, are there, Moses and Elijah, they're the main authorities and Jesus and Peter wants to make a tent for each of them, almost like they're on equal footing which is what evangelicals who are pro-war Catholics or whoever they are that are pro-war, they want to do too. Hmm. They want to have all of them on equal footing, but they're not. The father, um, the Moses and Elijah disappear and the spotlight's on Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, this is my son. Listen to him. Okay, so we need to let Jesus have the final say about how we deal with evil and not appeal to other uh, lesser authorities um, when Jesus was, uh, after his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, he walked with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as he was walking, uh, his disciples uh, did 
didn't recognize him and he asked them what how they were and they told told how disillusioned they were because the messiah who they thought would liberate them from israel from the romans and everything was a big disappointment you know uh, because it didn't happen like thought you know it wasn't the, the kingdom of god didn't wasn't ushered in like they like they were hoping and and then jesus you know he says uh he, he rebukes them right for being foolish and slow of heart to understanding uh, moses and the prophets and beginning you know with moses and the prophets he he uh, explained the scriptures to them how the messiah uh, would would suffer right before entering into his glory and and so that scripture tells us that that we can we can read the bible with um you know with the resurrected jesus uh illuminating our read showing us about a messiah that is a suffering messiah mm-hmm. um, not a prosperity gospel messiah but a suffering messiah that's present in genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy and the prophets and that's the kind of revelation that we're looking for when we read the Bible is that Emmaus Road revelation that later they said, didn't our hearts burn, you know, yeah. when he explained the scriptures to, to us. So we need, we need that. We need revelation. That's what word of, um, that's what word of knowledge is. Okay. Word of knowledge is revelation. Um, charismatic Christians often mistake, mistakenly describe word of knowledge as just impressions, prophetic impressions, but, Word of knowledge is really revelation um, that is theologically relevant, contextual teaching that where uh, that that is needed to kind of explain um, the gospel. Um, you know, the, God's victory over the powers, uh, the kingdom of God's coming in 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 language and in categories that can be understood in our times. Mm-hmm. And we need that revelation. Yeah. We need we need revelation about how to look at societal societal problems and and even our where we are in history um, and we need jesus to be the one who, who shows us um you know where we are in history not um you know not some misreading of of violent you know conquest texts yeah. so i'm curious used to justify our conquests right so what is what is a good reading of the conquest? Like, and I don't—I know there's loads of lessons to be learned in the life of Joshua and all these, you know, small uh, episodes in there. But grand scheme, in the in the large narrative, what what can we learn from Christ as our rabbi, reading the stories of the conquest? God raised up a, a family, um, you know, the, the children of Israel, Abraham, Sarah. He gave them a promise through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He walked with that family through a huge amount of dysfunction and uh, drama, you know, as they grew into the people of Israel and were enslaved for 400 years. And he called Moses to be an agent of liberation. He brought them out of Egypt. He, God's purposes have been to, to raise up uh, a people that would be about the kingdom of God and um, and the universal and carrying that universal blessing to to the whole world and um, and that that people group were notoriously difficult um, and in a way it, that's maybe why God chose them is to show that you know if if they could be chosen then anyone could be chosen. Um, 
and so God um, walked with that people group um, through all of their um, relapsing, um, you know, reoffending. You know, I mean, the story of the Old Testament is just amazing. How many times Israel forgot their their God and uh, so what we see, though, is when they came into the land, which was part of the promise, is it was it was their foothold for the advance of the larger kingdom of God, you know, to fill the earth and do it, um, and to uh, um, and to rule over the the powers of, of darkness because the world is under enemy control, so to speak. You know, there's a there's been a revolt, and we have the earth is occupied by Satan and his and his powers and so Israel was called to kind of be about, um, you know, uh, advancing in uh, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And um, and so when they came into Israel, into the land of Canaan, the opposition that came against them could be understood as spiritual opposition because it was against the people of God that were chosen with a mandate to bring um, the good news, to proclaim it everywhere and to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So these different powers um, that are named Hittites, Jebusites, whatever they are. Um, I think we need to read those um, in the light of Paul's teaching on the principalities and powers in Ephesians 6 and 1 Corinthians 15 and Ephesians 1, where you know, Ephesians 6 talks about how our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities. And so these people, these names, these titles could the manifestations of those titles might look more like, I don't know, um, the powers. What are the dominant powers in our in our day and age today? Um, you know, like they're no longer the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites, but they're they're maybe like, uh, you know, pornography, um, um, Starbucks, uh, world. You know, um, I mean. Um, Global warming, yeah. Um, global heating, um, USA. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's there's dominant powers that mm-hmm. are that are out out and about that that are that, you know that are competing with the advancing of of, of Jesus's kingdom. Yeah, and the the mistake so the that the that church that... falls into is actually trying to gain control of those powers ourselves and almost harness that power to propel us forward in our mission rather than doing battle against those powers those powers have, have come under the feet of jesus and and they're under all of our feet ephesians 1 talks about how he is the head over all every principality and power and all those things and for the church so the, the powers and principalities are the non-human entities that you know that demand our allegiance things like nationalism you know money yeah you know mammon um and so we need to know how to resist um, the dominant idols of our time that want to uh, captivate our allegiances and our attention. There's great resistance. <laughs> Whenever we start to fight those powers, suddenly, you know, and, and very often from within the church, right? Um, it's not easy. We live in very dangerous times, you know, we have the rise of nationalism everywhere mm. and and so tragically Christians are are right at the core of those nationalistic movements. Yeah. 
in the United States and in Brazil and um, Germany and, and UK, um, yeah. different European countries, lots and lots of places all around the world. There's a rise of nationalism, populism, and uh, Christians have thrown their lot with, you know, with powers, the powers of the state with with uh, the use are justifying the use of violence, the use of uh, measures that exclude people. And we forget that, you know, that our kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. So how do we as followers of Christ, the suffering Christ, um, how do we do battle with these powers? Uh, and I, here's where I'll just give you a softball because you, you were telling me a little while ago about how you've just released a couple of Bible studies called Guerrilla Bible Studies. And I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what you mean by Guerrilla Bible Studies and, and how people can engage in that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I have a book called Guerrilla Gospel, which is uh, the subtitle is uh, Reading the Bible for Liberation and the Power of the Spirit. Hmm. And I, um, I really see Jesus as um, God's, you know, God's God sends His Son to start a movement, or to or to strengthen and further and and sort of realize a movement that God had already started earlier with Israel. Uh, and that movement is about um, it's it's focused on proclamation, proclamation of the good news of the kingdom, um, and with uh, healing and 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 deliverance. Um, you know, and, and, and caring for the poor and, and, and embracing the excluded. Um, you know, Jesus comes in and he starts a movement um, to uh, recruit. He recruits uh, people, ordinary people, um, people that would normally be excluded, tax collectors, um, fishermen. Um, he, you know, he, he models in the gospel accounts um, what that um, the advance of the kingdom of God looks like and uh, and what we can expect in the way of opposition um, because he himself he was doing it with uh, in a perfect way with uh, his full authority as uh, as uh, the son of the father uh, full of grace and truth as John describes and even doing it that way uh, or especially doing it that way led to huge amount of opposition from the dominant religious authorities and political authorities that led to his arrest and his execution. And, um, and yet he was, he was, he was raised from the dead. And so, um, when we enter into baptism, we enter into Jesus's death. Um, and he died, um, he dies the death of the enemy. You know, he dies the death of the of Pharaoh's uh, soldiers, you know, who who died in the in the waters of the Red Sea. And um, he died the death of the enemy as God's firstborn son. He dies the death of the of the firstborn in order to redeem us um, from the power of death. And, and so our baptism is 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 it's like we die to uh, to everything in terms of our fleshly identity. Baptism is is a death to our nationalism, to our national identity, to our ethnic ethnicity, to our everything that has to do with the flesh. Mm. Um, you know, our education, our uh, you know, our citizenship, our 
you know, our natural abilities. And when we come out of the water, uh, we have a new identity on the other side of death, even though we haven't maybe physically died yet. Hopefully, it doesn't, we don't physically die in our baptism, but <laughs> baptism is a symbolic but real death that where eternal life begins. Hmm. And we get the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit from heaven, which empowers us to be about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that that kingdom is is not a kingdom that is is caught up in all these allegiances of, uh, of my race and my class and my national identity, although I still am going to be a white American um, when I come on my baptism. But now I've, I, my allegiances have shifted and I'm about Jesus as king hmm. and I'm going to follow him. Okay. And, uh, and that's the gorilla, the more the notion of the gorilla movement. Um, you know, we are, um, we are in the world as, uh, as, as this yeast that Jesus describes as salt, as, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a movement that, that we know is ultimately victorious, but the victory kind of comes on the other side of death, unfortunately. Um, but, um, I mean, but it is a victory, but we don't need to fear death because death has already been, death has already been achieved. And I mean, it's been uh, conquered and we've, and we've already died in our baptism. So, we can't be killed if we've already been, if we're already dead, right? <laughs> if we're already raised up to new life, we, and that's what the movement's about. Mm -hmm. We're about promoting this, this movement, um, making disciples, you know, go into all the, the world and make disciples of all the, the non-Jews that are out there, all the, all the ethne, the, yeah. the, the, the Gentiles, uh, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to practice everything that Jesus has commanded them. It doesn't say teaching them to observe everything that Moses commanded them. Hmm. Good it says point. teach them to practice everything that I have commanded you. Well, what did Jesus command in Matthew? Well, repent, um, follow me, love your enemies. Um, lots of things, right? Just read the Beatitudes. Yeah. So that's the movement that I think we need to be about. That's awesome. Um, if people want to get more involved in that movement, I, I'm guessing, uh, I mean, bobeckblad.com, we're going to include a link in the show notes here, but also peoplesseminary.org. Is that another place where they can go and, and see how they could get get yeah. involved in some of that teaching that you guys are doing? Yeah, peopleseminary.org. And uh, you can find uh, these books like Guerrilla Gospel, and then I've got Guerrilla Bible Studies, which are, I've got four volumes. I've only got two that are published now, but they're like uh, 52 kind of tried and tested Bible studies that are for discipleship. And, uh, wow. Yeah. And we have, uh, our certificates go on the website and see when, if there's one near where you are. Yeah. And uh, well, it sounds like you're just about everywhere. So. Other books. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we're trying to train trainers so that we can offer the trainings elsewhere. That's fantastic. Give the kingdom away. I love it. Yeah. But no, we live in challenging times. We really do. And uh, now is the time to to really be students of Jesus in the Gospels and students of his teachings and making sure that we are really uh, that we're really focused there yeah. on not, not just being students of Jesus, but, you know, worship um, of Jesus as our Savior and as King and of, um, of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And uh, and that's what's going to keep us uh, strong and clear as we go into these perilous uh, 
times that we live in yeah. where there's a lot of seduction, a lot of uh, distraction, a lot of uh, air, a lot of uh, false teaching as well. Yeah, I think. And, Well, so you've left us with a lot to think about. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd like to invite people. I typically do an ad. Usually I interrupt myself halfway through, but I got too engrossed this time. So forgive me. You get the ad at the end. But um, if, if you're looking for a way to do justice, folks, I've got an awesome invite for you, which is um, we're once again circling around to our um, campaign to free children from slavery uh, in brick factories in northern India. Um, I'm going to be in India just in a few weeks. We're going to be back in the brick factories just ministering to these communities. Uh, these are families that are, in some cases, the third generation serving in these brick factories, children as young as five making bricks all day because at some point their parents took out a loan that they couldn't pay off and now they're they're just working to pay the interest off and they're they're indentured servants and there's no there's no hope for them except we know the living hope that is Jesus Christ and we get an opportunity to come in we've been invited by i think it's up to 6 different brick factories now the owners are willing to let these children go and not work during the day but go to school instead um there's actually schools, like government-built schools all around these areas that are empty. There's nobody there because the children are not allowed out of the brick factories. And yet, by just God's grace, hearts are beginning to change, and we've got an opportunity to get these kids registered for school. Uh, for only 130 bucks, you can get a child a couple of uniforms, a couple of pairs of shoes, um, all the books they're going to need, their registration fees and things like that. And the amazing thing is, I mentioned they're government-built schools. Uh, these are uh, these are government schools, so the the tuition itself is free. There are no ongoing costs. It, the costs are related to just getting them in the program. These kids, most of them, were born into slavery. They don't even exist on paper. The government basically doesn't even know they exist. By registering them in school, suddenly they become official persons. Uh, and now the government is uh, obliged to, and actually pleased to come alongside and sponsor their education, uh, and help them the following year. They'll help them purchase more uniforms. Uh, they'll help them get the school books they need and things like that. Our job is just to get them into the system in the first place. We've got this amazing team of people. In, uh, there's about 60 volunteers in India uh, who work in these communities to measure the kids' feet, figure out which shoes are going to fit them, um, get them outfitted with uniforms and stuff help them to register for school and then the parents who are of course illiterate um, they can't help their kids with homework so we've got after-school programs where we're just able to disciple these entire families uh, with the gospel while teaching them how to read and write and all those things so uh, if you want to do justice man that is a pretty amazing opportunity so uh, if you head to impactnations.com slash slaves um, Free a slave today. Free ten slaves today. If you if the Lord has um, blessed you with the ability to to come and make a difference in this world uh, with your treasure, with your finances, I would challenge you to ask the Lord what He's calling you to do. Um, 
and see how many kids you can free. Start telling your friends. Post it on Facebook. Uh, we're going to be talking about it. This is the first time I've talked about it this year, but we're going to be talking about it like crazy for the next two months. Uh, school starts uh, yeah, right around the beginning of April, so we're going to push hard. Uh, we're aiming to get 1,200 children out of slavery this year. We got 862 last year, so uh, we're up on our goal to 1,200. So uh, we're trusting the Lord is going to bring the resources and... Uh, yeah, I would encourage every listener to ask the Lord what he's calling you to do um, because mm. it is an awesome opportunity to partner with our our servant Rabbi Jesus in setting slaves free. So um, anyway, I'm done with my ad now, I promise. Um, <laughs> Bob, it's been a delight to have you. Thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, for, for sharing yourself, your wisdom with us. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime in the future to learn a little bit more. I, I, I think I actually ultimately probably only really asked two questions there. So there's still lots left over. Um, so we'd love to have you again sometime. Uh, is there any upcoming right. events? or have you, you, you mentioned a couple of books. Anything else that you want to plug that's uh, current right now that you're pointing people towards? Yeah, I mean, Guerrilla Gospel, Guerrilla Bible Studies. Um, we have uh, certificates starting in Lausanne in April, in Cape Town, in uh, Zambia in April. Wow. And then uh, also in um, Hamilton, Ontario, probably in the fall. And Siberia, come to Siberia. <laughs> come to Siberia. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome invite. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We'll make sure uh, that links to that stuff are in our show notes so people can uh, find it quickly. And uh, thanks so much for your time. It's been great to get to know you today. Mm -hmm.